Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service today. And a special thank you, or a special welcome, I should say, to our mothers. Well, yeah, not a thank you. <laughs> good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service today. Thank you for joining us. And a special welcome to you mothers for being a part of our service today. A special shout out to my mom. I know that she's watching today. Hi, mom. And uh, so thank you, moms, for all that you do for us and your children. Uh, keeping us alive, especially right now during this pandemic, as people are spending a little more time together than normal. Uh, it can sometimes things can get a little testy at home, and so thank you, moms, uh, for helping us keep each other alive. If you have your Bibles today, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Most of my scriptures today are going to come from the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to start with chapter one, verse sixteen. Now, the title of my message is this. Ordinary, imperfect, useful. Ordinary, imperfect, useful. Now, many people in our world today, they may have a problem with those first two words, the, the ordinary and the imperfect. I mean, they, they may have a problem with them, but they can really identify with them because they view themselves as being very ordinary and maybe imperfect. But they may have a harder time identifying with that last word, useful because they feel that they are ordinary, because they feel that maybe they're not perfect enough, they may feel like they're not useful to God. And I hope that I will change that mindset today to some degree. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it simply says this, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. As I was reflecting on what to share this Mother's Day, there were two thoughts that just kind of came to my mind. One was this, what would Jesus say about his mother to us today? And what would Jesus want us to know about mothers in general today? Now again, most of my scripture is going to come from the Gospel of Matthew, but if you're really interested in a lot of narrative about Mary and more about you know some of the, the, the beginnings of of you know, Jesus' life and things like that, the Gospel of Luke is a good place to look. But I'm more interested in the bigger picture today, so I'm really not going to go there. I want to stay in Matthew for the most part. I want to look at how we can apply some of aspects, some aspects of Mary's life to ours. Whether you're a, a mother or not, there are things about her life that we can all apply. So those of you who are not mothers, you're still encouraged to listen and, and take in what you hear today because I believe there's something in this for all of us today. Now, because Mary was the mother of Jesus, some people have tried to, how do I say, they've tried to make her something that she's not. They've even tried to glorify her life even more than Jesus' life. It's just not right. We must be careful that we don't take some people from the Bible and put them up on a pedestal they just don't belong on. Jesus was and is the only human person that we should ever lift up, worship, pray to, and look to for anything. Yes, there are people in the Bible whose lives that we can try to emulate. There are things that we can learn from their lives. In fact, Jesus said, in fact, Jesus was the only one who said, follow me. 
Now, even though we can emulate some other people's lives, we still really need to just follow Jesus. Now, Paul, the apostle, did say in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. But again, he, he made that comment that only imitate him if he is imitating Christ. There are many people in the Bible whose lives we can read about and not imitate. I think we all understand that. Because they did not live their lives the way that God wanted them to. That is one thing about the Bible that separates it from any other holy book or religious book because it gives us the good, the bad end, sometimes the ugly about the people in it. The Bible does not try to whitewash, excuse me, and it does not try to sanitize their lives for us. It, it just gives us who they really were. And it, we can use them as examples, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the not so good. The same can be said of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Just because she was the mother of Jesus did not mean that she was perfect. In fact, that's my first point. Mary was not perfect. Now, the word perfect does show up in the Bible, but it is never applied to the life of Mary. In fact, the only person who was ever referred to as perfect is God. And yet, at the same time, you and I are called to perfection. We see this in Matthew 5, verse 48, where Jesus himself said, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. But then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, we are cautioned to not try and seek perfection by our own human effort. It says this, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your, whole, your own human effort? So these people, they had put their faith in Jesus to forgive them, to save them. But then apparently, they were trying to be perfect without his help, which is impossible. It can't be done. Now, have you ever tried to do that? I have to say that I have. I'm guilty of trying to be perfect on my own. And it doesn't work. So only Jesus was and is perfect. We are called to perfection, but only with the help of Christ. We cannot become perfect here on earth because while we're here and while everyone else on earth is here, we will all struggle with this ideal of perfection. Therefore, Mary could not have been perfect either because she was just as human as you and I. Guess what, moms? If Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not and could not be perfect, you can't either. And so you shouldn't even try to put that on yourselves. You don't have to be the perfect mother. Just be yourself. And while I'm at it, dads, I'm talking to myself here too, we don't have to be perfect dads either. Now, are we to strive to be the best that we can be? Absolutely. But we should not put this ideal of perfection out there and when we don't measure up, then we look down on ourselves. So we have to be careful because only God 
is perfect and can be perfect. So I hope that takes at least some of the weight off of your shoulders and, and my shoulders today as parents that yes, as much as we want to be the best parents we can be, when we don't reach that perfection, that ideal, hopefully we don't take it so hard and, and, and put ourselves down, but look at what we are doing, how we are doing with our kids and helping them. I hope that helps you understand that God knows you and he knows your limitations. And one of those limitations is that we can't be perfect. Being perfect is, is just impossible for us. But that doesn't mean that we are not supposed to try. I already mentioned that. We are supposed to try. We are supposed to strive towards perfection. But we shouldn't beat ourselves up when we don't succeed, when we don't meet those high expectations. There's something else, though. Mothers, fathers, and everyone else, please don't focus on your limitations, on your weaknesses, on your flaws. That is so easy for us to do, isn't it? It's so easy for us to focus on the negatives in our life. But we have to be careful that we don't do that. Instead, we need to be like the Apostle Paul, who wrote this to the church in Corinth regarding his weaknesses, in particular, his thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 12, Paul wrote this. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, talking about his thorn in the flesh. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it is in your weaknesses and my weaknesses that Christ can be seen the most in us. You might view being a parent as a weakness. Even if that is the case, you can change that. It doesn't have to remain a weakness for you. How? By going to God, asking him for his strength to be a better mom, to be a better dad, truly relying upon him to help you, looking to his word, the Bible, to see what it says about being a parent, and then following those directives. God has a wealth of knowledge that he has given us in his word, in the Bible, on many different subjects, but we have to read it to know what it says. So I encourage you to read your Bible. Find out what it says about being a parent. Oh, and kids, don't think that, uh, that God's letting you off the hook here either. There is no such thing as a perfect child. I know that comes as a shock, but sorry, you're not perfect. You also, though, can look to Jesus to be a better kid, to be a better son, to be a better daughter, to be a better brother or a better sister, a better friend, to be a better all-around person. Again, that knowledge is there available for you in God's word. 
but you have to read it. I want you to see something, hopefully, just from a little bit different perspective today about Mary. Mary became pregnant before she was married. Let that sink in for a moment. Mary became pregnant before she was married. Now, we understand that the circumstances of this pregnancy were very, very special. I get that. And and some of you are probably thinking, Pastor Brad, this is old news. There's nothing new here. Everybody knows this. Yes, everybody hopefully does know this. But I'm hoping that you'll take a little bit of a different look at it. Take a look at it from Mary's perspective. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, this this is nothing new to us. If we have spent any time in church, we know this story. But think about this. When this happened, no one else knew. Nobody knew how she had become pregnant. And it wasn't until an angel told her fiancé, Joseph, that he truly knew. I'm guessing Mary tried to explain it to him, but how could he really understand it? This had never happened before. This was supernatural. And even if Mary had tried to explain it to him or other people, again, would they really have understood and accepted what she was saying? Because again, this was not normal. So in other words, here we have this unmarried, pregnant woman walking around at a time when, really, she could have been stoned. She could have been ostracized from her community for being found in that condition. Do you think she got a few quizzical looks during this time? Do you think that people maybe started to treat her differently I'm guessing the answer to both of these questions is yes. Joseph was all ready to just break off the engagement. He was, he was done. This was too much for him. And he would have had every right to do so. But then that angel came and visited him and explained to him what had happened with Mary then he finally accepted it and it changed his mind. Now, what does this have to do with us today? Well, first, this was obviously something that was planned by God, not Mary and Joseph. Second, sometimes even when we we do not plan something or understand at the moment why something is happening, we can still trust that God can use us. Third, Even though there are things in your life, maybe from your past or maybe from your present, that you did not plan, God can still use you. I pray that this gives hope to someone today. 
Now, you may be so focused on your past mistakes or, or your current situation or circumstance that, that you're not really seeing how God can use you going forward. I get that. That's a natural response. But here's the crazy thing. God can even use our mistakes for his purposes. When you and I sin, or when things happen to us and we think that they disqualify us from being used by God, think again. Think again. Because God uses imperfect people to do his perfect will. Let me say that again. God uses imperfect people to do his perfect will. Now, what is that going to look like in your life? I have no idea. I I just don't know. But here's the good thing. I don't need to know. And quite honestly, you don't need to know either. The only person who needs to know is God. And he does. Here's another little side note on this. Not everyone around you will understand or accept what is going on in your life. Again, Joseph, Mary's soon-to-be husband, he didn't understand until an angel explained it to him. He was ready to end the engagement, cut his losses, and move on to a more wholesome girl. And again, he would have had every right to do so. Now, I understand, again, this is a very unique situation. And it is not what any of us have ever or will ever experience again. I get that. But I do think there are things that we can take away from it and apply to our lives. Now, God calls Joseph a righteous man in Matthew 1, verse 19. God didn't say that about everyone, did he? Remember, God chose this human man to raise his son. Joseph did not ask for this. Joseph was not looking for this. It was put upon him. And at first, he did not understand what was happening to his fiancée and and the future that he thought that they would have. Like most people who are about to get married, he probably couldn't wait for that day. He probably couldn't wait for that day when they could get married and start their lives together. But now everything was changing. And he couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't change it. All he could do was accept it. Even good people will not always understand and accept what is going on in your life. Let me say that again. Even good people will not always understand or accept what is going on in your life. And unless God reveals it to them, they may never fully understand and accept what is happening. So what does this tell me? What does this tell me? Well, it tells me this. God is the only person we need to be concerned about pleasing because only he can see the big picture. God is the only person we need to be concerned about pleasing because he's the only one who can see everything, the big picture, 
all at once. Only God can see beyond your imperfections, your situation, your circumstance, and know how he is going to use you. So even though you and I are not perfect, God still wants to use us. Now, after the birth of Jesus and the family escaped to Egypt, we don't really hear about Mary in Matthew's gospel anymore until he is ready to start his earthly ministry. So we see now in Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth and he starts teaching in the synagogue, amazing everyone who was listening. They don't understand how he knows so much. They don't understand the wisdom that he is sharing with them. They were amazed. So now, I ask this question, why do you think they were amazed? Why do you think these people were amazed at what they were hearing from Jesus? Well, my guess is this, because they knew Jesus and his family. They knew him. Well, they thought they knew him. And the Bible basically tells us this. So if you look in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 57, it says this. Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Apparently, Jesus' family was not well known for their teaching or their wisdom or their miracles. Otherwise, this wouldn't have been such a surprise to them. I hate to say it, but the people in the synagogue that day, they were probably the most learned people in the community. The rabbis. The elders. They were the teachers. They were the ones that everyone else were, would come to if they had questions, they were the ones that everyone else listened to. The common people did not teach them. But that is who Jesus was. He was a common person, at least as far as anyone else knew or believed. As far as everyone else was concerned, so were his family members. His father may have been a good carpenter, but that is all that he was. That's all he was known for, was being a carpenter. He was not a teacher. He was not a rabbi. His mother, Mary, may have been a good person, but she was not a teacher, nor apparently a community leader. Could it be that the people still even remembered Mary as the one who was pregnant before she got married? They still could not know or see the big picture. They didn't know Jesus was the Messiah. They couldn't see it yet. 
They didn't know that Jesus was the Savior that they were waiting for for centuries. They didn't know. Even his brothers and sisters did not receive any acknowledgement of being anyone of significance. This was just an ordinary family, not known for anything special. And Mary was just an ordinary mother with ordinary children as far as the world was concerned. But as far as God was concerned, she was far from ordinary. Jesus was far from ordinary. In fact, two of his brothers that were listed here, James and Judas, are credited with writing two of the books in the New Testament. I think it's safe to say that no one who was in that synagogue that day who was scoffing, who was offended by Jesus, I don't think any of them wrote any of the Bible. Why is this important? What does it have to do with us today? Well, the world does not see you and your family the way that God does. The world cannot see you and your family the way that God does. Isn't it interesting that the God who sees all of our imperfections, who knows you better than anyone else, still loves you and sees the potential in you? Isn't it interesting that this same God has a very specific plan for you and for your family? Even though you are just an ordinary person, even though I am just an ordinary person. Aren't you glad that God does this? Aren't you glad that God sees you for who you are and loves you anyway? Aren't you glad God sees your kids for who they are and loves them anyway? I sure am. I'm glad that God chooses to look beyond my sin, my imperfections, my inabilities, my insecurities, my ordinariness, and yet chooses to love me and use me in spite of myself. That's the loving God that you and I serve. That's the loving person that Mary brought into this world. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And Mary helped to shape who Jesus would become. Think about that. Don't lose sight of that fact. God used Mary, a nobody, an ordinary person, an imperfect person, to raise his son. Mothers, God is using you. As ordinary as you are, as imperfect as you are, he is using you to raise your children. We have a very important job as parents. A job that really does not end until we or they, talking about our kids, leave this earth. Moms, your job as a mom never stops. It never stops. You never stop being 
a mother. Now, your role with your children may change over the years, but you will never stop being their mother. I started this message asking two questions. What would Jesus say about his mother to us today? And what would Jesus want us to know know about mothers in general today? I believe that Jesus would want us to know that his mother wasn't perfect, but she did her best. I think Jesus would want us to know that she and the rest of his family were just ordinary, imperfect people who were used by God. There are two things that you and I need to understand today from this message. I hope you'll take at least these two things away from this. One, we can be ordinary people and still be used by God. We can be ordinary people and still be used by God. Secondly, we can be imperfect people and still be used by God. We can be imperfect people and still be used by God. Now, I'm going to close our time in prayer today, and then Joni and Kristen will be singing a song called The Blessing that will hopefully be an encouragement to you going into this next week and even beyond. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the mothers that we are celebrating and honoring today. I thank you, God, for the many sacrifices that they have made and maybe continue to make for their families, particularly for their children. And I pray your blessing on them. May they know today and even really every day how special they are in your eyes. They may be ordinary, they may be imperfect, but you still want to use them not just to raise their kids, but to touch a generation, to change people's lives for the better. Help us all, I pray, to understand that even though we may be ordinary, even though we may be imperfect, you have chosen to use us. Help us, I pray, to do our best to be who you want us to be, whether it's a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a child, a friend, whoever it is. Help us, God, to be who you want us to be today and not be so concerned about what everybody else thinks or wants from us, but to only be concerned about what you think and want. Thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. As Joni and Kristen sing this song, feel free to sing along with them. Let this song be a prayer of God's blessing and God's favor on you and on your family throughout this season. Please know that God is for you. He is not against you. God is for you and your family. Be blessed.